With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Challenging. Thought-provoking. Insightful. This is the Ninja Pastor with Sunday's God in Country with Dr. Sean. Hosted by nationally known speaker, Reverend Dr. Sean Michael Greener. Not your typical reverend. Dr. Sean is a proud U.S. military veteran, former law enforcement officer, founder of the internationally regarded executive protection team. Through his riveting national speaking, this ninja pastor tells it like it is. This show is biblically and politically engaged in the battle to save our country, with a pedal to the metal, with this Sunday's edition of Sundays with Dr. Sean. Buckle up. Here's your host, the author of the critically acclaimed book, Excellence Killed the Church, How Mediocrity is Destroying America, Reverend Dr. Sean, the Ninja Pastor, with today's message. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Thank you so much to our audience joining us all around the world. In fact, uh, this past week I became aware that uh, Finland we we have some listeners for the first time last week and the week before from Finland, which is awesome. Uh, several other countries out there I'm really excited about. Uh, Australia, 11.7% of our listenership comes now from Australia. It's a whole big group that's growing there. Uh, listen, yeah, yeah, it's really interesting. Still have a huge number coming from the United States, but it is fun to watch, you know, the demographics and see. What's that? No kangaroos. Kangaroos do not listen to the radio. I'm pretty sure, although they may have smartphones. They're very smart animals. So today, uh, by the way, the food, again, I mean, it's it's fe- it's festive to say the least. we got star, star watermelon and uh, cut in stars. We've got all kinds of uh, Oreo cookies that have that crackly bits in it that's supposed to crackle in your mouth when you eat them. Uh, and then uh, all kinds of homemade, just real goodies. And then we've got flag cake. We've got uh, fried chicken. Nothing says celebration more than fried chicken. And beans and steak, which are, I had three bowls. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, it's really good. I, I Look, I got about, this is how I roll. I taste something. And then if it's really good, if I've had two bites, I go back and get more just in case. Because I think I'm not the only one tasting this. You know what I mean? So uh, a couple of things really quick. By the way, welcome to folks from Alaska and upstate New York. We're so glad to have you. It's an honor to have you. And thank you for your comments and your notes. That's really awesome. It's really, really wonderful. Um, many of you prayed for my brother Lance this week. As many of you know, last September 9th, he went in for surgery and ended up having uh, being in the hospital and at many points on life support uh, until almost Christmas. So uh, the surgery was a huge risk. It was a hip replacement because he could no longer walk. And uh, the surgeon came out after the very successful surgery, showed us a a photograph uh, of his hip that they took out. And 
he said, well, now we know he wasn't faking. <laughs> it was gruesome. It was really a terrible, terrible mess. There was no cartilage left, and, and it, the, the, the joint had just completely disintegrated. So uh, my family and I had the privilege of being there, and, you know, we've been in the hospital so much uh, with him that we've got a system down pat. And so, But I really appreciate everybody praying because his recovery is the fact that he's in about 50% less pain than he was before surgery and he's only a couple of few days after surgery is absolutely amazing. We're all so excited. It's just, uh, it's, it's enormous. It's absolutely enormous. So thank you to all of you who, who prayed. Um, also, uh, you know, this has been a weird week. You know, today is my buddy, uh, Eric's the, the fellow who died. We've been friends since kindergarten. Today's his birthday. And, uh, he had a heavenly birthday a few weeks ago and now he's got, his regular birthday, so I don't know which, yeah, I guess he get cake in heaven and ice cream on both birthdays. I'm not sure which, what the ruling is on that. And it's not fattening. Eat all you want. Who cares? You know what I mean, just eat all you want. So then we had another huge blessing. My son got into, uh, we were really praying that he would get into trade school. My son, Duel, got into trade school. And I was worried because I didn't want him to miss out on his work for the summer because he really loves his job and he needs to save money. And uh, ostensibly to pay for trade school. Well, he got into a special program whereby getting into the program also means they pay for it. So huge. Amen. So he can work. It's just an enormous blessing. We're all super excited. So that starts in the fall. It was supposed to start Monday, last Monday. Supposed to start last Monday, but they said, you know, we're going to push it to the fall. So that's going to work great. And we're just super happy for him. And Really a wonderful thing. So lots of stuff, you know, happens in life. You have all kinds of stuff go on. And uh, and I, I don't think I'm that abnormal. I mean, I'm some abnormal. I know that. I'm, I'm self-aware enough to know that. <laughs> so I'm not quite in the realm of normal, but I'm not that far out of normal. And uh, as such, by the way, also, that's why I didn't have a show on Wednesday was because that was when my brother's surgery was. Uh, and the Wednesday before was because my blood pressure was too high to sit up. I had to lay down the whole time. So, yeah, it was too uh, – and a bunch of you sent me notes uh, praying for me. Last week, my, the highest reading was 238 over 177. So we're we're working. We're trying to get it down. We're doing all we can do. So we'll see, you know. If I'm not here next week, heavenly birthday, put in your prayers for uh, ice cream and cake on your – heavenly birthday and your regular earthly birthday i'm voting for that just saying pull for me if you can um and it's special dispensation to the steamed crabs if you can whatever you're going to pray for you know you might throw that in i know wes will not pray for that neither will charlotte so i was just looking for a special dispensation from god and then so that got me to thinking and i do a lot of weird reading i, I read weird stuff i read really really old theologian stuff because in seminary, uh, when I was getting my master's and doctorate in theology, I had to read a lot of really weird, you know, seems weird thinkers, weird, you know, the way they express things. And, 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 and since then, I've come to several different beliefs, not in, uh, not contrary to my seminary, but contrary to some of the different people that I've read. Yeah, Hebrew worldview is, is kind of a thing for me. So it took me on a little bit different track. All that said to say this, um, I read this one guy, and uh, and I think, quite frankly, you know, uh, very, 
I, I think if you only read what you absolutely agree with and you only listen to um, – this could be a joke, actually. I just thought of this. You might be a liberal if you only read or listen to what supports your point of view. So, you know, UC Berkeley, the, they love to say it's the birthplace of the First Amendment free speech, but in reality our founders brought that with them when they came across. Um, all that said to say this, that I, 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 read, I read this guy, William G.T. Shedd. And uh, he's from 1870. I'll tell you more about him. But God, what, what a, God doesn't have to show you or me mercy. He doesn't have to. He's not bound to it. Um, and in this society, I think a lot of people believe God owes us something. I hear a lot of people pray when they pray. Um, it's funny because uh, you, you, a preacher shows up at a, an event. They always want the preacher to pray. You go over to somebody's house and everybody's getting ready to eat. Ooh, you know, I've already eaten like four brownies. Not anymore, but when I used to do that, uh, they would always, oh, pastor, will you pray? You know, as I'm wiping the crumbs off my face. So I'll pray, and I think they're disappointed sometimes because I pray different. I don't pray like I used to pray. I used to pray really, I, I call them ornate prayers, but in reality, they were just words. They were just words. I meant them, but I, I, meant, I felt like I had to dress them up in a certain way, um, and that was silly. So they don't ask me to pray. If they've asked me to pray once, they're like, well, that was a letdown. You know, sometimes I like to just fool them with that, uh, what is it, what is it, uh, over the teeth, past the gums, look out stomach, here it comes. You know, I didn't really do that, I'm just kidding you. The people in Finland, the new listeners in Finland are like, I don't know what he's seeing. Yeah, rub-a-dub-dub, thanks for the grub. Yeah, you know, I don't do those, I don't do those, I'm just kidding. But they, they expect something more than what they get, but what they get is sincerity. Um, I really do trust God. It just as a, as a as an aside note here, I really do trust God. I've said to, I've had people that I've been very close with in my life uh, that something needed to be worked out, and I and you know, what's your plan? What's your plan? I just said I trust God. I trust God that if it's His will, He'll He'll work it out. He always does. Something that's supposed to be worked out, He works out. That's just how it is. Boy, lively chat. I love that. I love that. Um, so there are a lot of beliefs, uh, and, and the term for it is traditional beliefs. You guys ever heard, hear that term, traditional beliefs? You develop a traditional belief by sitting in a church, and then you really like the pastor's preaching, or maybe you grew up with it, and he just keeps preaching the same thing, and eventually you believe what he's saying based on tradition. It's traditional uh, you hear it in a tradition. It's every Sunday, this is what you hear every Wednesday, whatever. So you believe those things, and you go on. Well, I used to do that too. Now, I had some questions uh, when I was a kid. I, I challenged some things, and, and that didn't go over well in my independent fundamental Baptist church, you know, <laughs> in Sussex County, Delaware. It just did not go over well. That was not what the favorite thing was. So, but, but I came upon this idea that, that God doesn't have to show mercy. If he's truly God, he doesn't have to show mercy. If he had to do something, then he's not God. Somebody else did. Bren's block? Okay, I will read that. What's the name of it? I'll tell everybody. I will tell brinsellers.com. You guys go to that Brinsellers. You hear us pray for Carson all the time. That's Carson's mom. Really, really good blog, and apparently tomorrow's post is really good, but I think you can look at it today. So, so I came up with this idea, and I was thinking, well, mercy, you don't, what do you demand? I, I brought all the prayer up because I've been places, and, and I'm privileged to preach. If you invite me to come, I'll, I'll preach, and, 
and I'll pray, and you'll be disappointed, but that's okay. The preaching you'll like, but the prayer maybe you won't, because people nowadays look for the pastor to pray in a voice, you know, and I can do many different accents. If I do it in a British accent, you know, they'll like me better. You know, I talk like this, but then as soon as it comes time to pray, you know, dear Lord, we be thee. You know, that whole thing. I can do the whole bit. I can do the whole hour on that. Um, I've ordered food from McDonald's that way. So my daughter, Daddy, be an Indian. Be Pakistani. And now she's 25, and she's she's still out for it. It's fun. She doesn't eat meat. That's the only reason why we go to the drive-thru together. Fries. But 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 it came to me, it came to me, you know, uh, I, I've been to a lot of different churches all over the country, and, and when I go to those churches, I hear people pray, and they're demanding of God. They're like, and, you know, and, and God, we're holding you to your promises. You promised us you're going to, and, and we're, you know, you're, you, we want you to keep to your promise. Who are you talking to? Who are you talking to, talking to God like that? Talking about God like that, assuming that somehow or another we can tell him to keep to his promises. You know, he can change time. I don't know if anybody's aware of that. Anybody know that? In the radio audience, if you're wondering what I just did, I just took a drink of water. I was going to swallow really loud for effect, but I figured it's not that much fun to listen to that. Here's the thing. In society, many people, they believe God owes us something, right? Anybody? Just show a hand here. I won't call out your name on a show of hands just in the live audience. How many believe God owes us something? Anybody? No, not a thing. I might as well just talk about other stuff because you guys already know what I'm talking about. But in this society, people think God owes us something. They think he owes us something. They think somehow or another, all right, maybe he doesn't owe us wealth. Maybe he doesn't owe us that cool car. Maybe he does, which if if he's listening, which I'm sure he is because he listens every Sunday. Um, I don't know what demographic that is on the map. I haven't seen that yet, but I'm assuming that he does. I'm hoping. Yeah, I pray that he will, so in plain language. So if he's listening, the Corvette, the newest Corvette with the carbon fiber treatment, you know, if I'm praying for a car, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for that car. Sorry, I like it. It's cool looking. looks like a spaceship. I would pretend I'm a pilot of a spaceship that's what i would do you know if i have that car so if he wants to give me that i'll prove to him that i'll do it i really will act i won't speed or anything yeah well let's not start this offline i will occasionally speed if it's a corvette with 600 horsepower i just might tap the gas a little um so you know okay we will all agree that god doesn't owe me a corvette i'd like one he, uh, Craig, this is really powerful in chat. I'd rather have a preacher from Gumboro praying in pure Sussex County any day or Love Creek. Amen. Amen. I agree with that. Hello, by the way, to the Cahalans in, um, in Minnesota. What a great place. I never thought I would like Minnesota as much as I did, but really nice people. And, and to this day, still the best steak I've ever had in Minnesota. Best steak I ever had. So good. So good. Anyway, back to our story. Look, you know, I can agree God doesn't owe me a car. He doesn't owe me a fancy house. Um, he doesn't owe me really anything. He doesn't even owe me good health. But many people around this country, and I would say even world, think somehow or another God owes them mercy. I thought the same way, but you, at least you, don't make me rich, but show your mercy. 
okay, okay, I'm not going to ask for all the things in the world that I would like, but you have to show me mercy. A lot of people that think that, they think that they could agree personal wealth, success in business, whatever the case may be, all right, yeah, he doesn't owe that to me. That's my job to do. i got to do that part. But he definitely owes, God definitely owes us mercy, right? No, actually, no. Instead of getting depressed when you realize this, I just want you to experience joy instead. Then I'll show you how to get to the joy. And I, I know it sounds crazy. I know it sounds crazy. So thank you all for joining me. So we're going to go with this. Romans 9, 14 through 16, if I read extra, it's free of charge, no cost or obligation to you. This is from the complete Jewish Bible. Are we to say it is unjust for God to do this? Heaven forbid. For to Moshe, he says, which is Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will pity whom I pity. Thus, it doesn't depend on human desires or efforts, but on God who has mercy. Let me read that again. For to Moshe, he says, I will have mercy on whom, by the way, let me say this. I just want to touch on this really super quick. Don't miss those words. For to Moshe, he says, I believe very firmly that God was actually speaking to Moses. I believe that with all my heart. He says, he says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will pity whom I pity. Thus, it doesn't depend on human desires or efforts, but on God who has mercy. You're welcome. I guess that's the end of my sermon. There's your joy. Maybe you don't see it yet, but that's a good thing. I'll show you how it's good. Anyway, so I read this guy's work from 1871. I might have forgotten to say that. William G.T. Shedd, S-H-E-D-D. And those who have read his work, you will know uh, that in some respects I agree fully with him. I really do. He's an elegant writer, as most of the folks back then were. I don't know how they were at math, but they were really good at writing, really good at speaking. They were very articulate and, and uh, they, they um, great orators. But you'll also, if you've ever read any of Shedd's work, you'll also know that I, there's a lot I disagree with. His view on Israel, I completely and totally disagree with. He says, and they cast away their opportunity for salvation for both Cana there, the land of Canaan, there and also in eternity. Well, I think he's completely one hundred I don't think he is, I know he is. Hundred percent wrong on that, that the promise was made to the people, the people, the whole people. So I have to think there's a better heaven and a, it's an okay heaven, it's not as great as the other heaven. You 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 uh messianics, you're up front near the buffet table. You others no hard feelings, but you're in the back. You know? But you're still here. So I, I disagree with him on that. That's just a point of, of uh, we, we don't agree. He thinks that they have no part in the kingdom if they reject Christ. I disagree. And there are, there are Baptists all around the world listening to what I just said, turning their computer off as quick as they can because that's so foreign for people. But the covenant was made with people. That's time for another sermon anyway. So this is part of uh, my reading that I did. I, I, I read... And I, I read it with some trepidation, but I knew these things that are going through my head, which is how it happens, the stuff goes through my head, I have to believe God puts it there. What about mercy? Because, you know, I, I went to the doctor this week, and I've had a real rough time, and, and, you know, the news isn't great. So I say to myself, you know, should I even ask for mercy? Should I ask for healing? Should I do this? Should, I, should that get, gets me on this whole big thinking. 
So I say, well, who's as depressing a, a writer, but still very articulate on this topic as any? And Shed is definitely at the top of the list. If you want to kind of be down, maybe keep the razor blades and the, the sharp knives away, you know, while you're reading his stuff when it talks about some of the stuff that he talks about, because it, he can be dark. And most of it, he's right. So I, I read this guy's work. Uh, he, this was written in 1871. And, you know, I felt worse at first, and then I felt a lot better. So then I did some interpretation here, and, and I thought that maybe you would be interested in it. So this is part of the description which God himself gave to Moshe, Moses, uh, of his own nature and attributes. This is, this is what he says to him. And uh, the Hebrew legislator had said to Jehovah, to God, this is Exodus 33. Um, I may or may not read all of them, but uh, he answered, "Set your mind at rest. My presence will go with you." After all, Moshe replied, "This is from the Complete Jewish Bible. If you're, by the way, if you're listening around the world right now and you don't have a Bible, contact me through DrSeanGreener.com through the contact me page, or if you're a Facebook, contact me through private message." I will get you a very, very nice Bible. You'll have it within the week, um, free of charge and no cost or obligation to you. Moshe replied, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't make us go on from here. Let me go back. Exodus thirty-three, fourteen. He answered, set your mind at rest. My presence will go with you after all. Moshe replied, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't make us go on from here. How many times in our lives have we kind of trusted, well, I want that Corvette, so I'm going to go get that Corvette. I'm going to do whatever it takes. I'll get the Corvette. God says, I don't want you to have a Corvette. It's a small car. Uh, you know, I don't think you'll be comfortable or safe in it. You know, you got some, I don't know if you remember, you were in this little crash and uh, probably sit more upright, maybe not as leaning back. I could have an answer for that, by the way. I mean, if he wants to talk to me about it, I'm welcome to the conversation. But the point is, the point is, we go ahead. You know, if you're single, uh, you say, well, I want that woman over there. Well, I want that man. Over. That's the one I want. That's the one I want. God says, mm -mm. no, that's not for you. It's not for you. Well, I, I want that job right over there. That's the job I want. That's the right job for me. That's the one. Mm, not so much, God says. No. Hang in there. Trust me. But you say, and I say, how many times have we done this? Raise a hand, nod a head. How many times have we done No, I want that car. I want that wife. I want that husband. I want that job. I want this, that, or the other thing. I want it, and I'm going to get it. Don't worry, God. I got this. I'm going to do it. Just rest. Yeah, amen? Been there, done that, right? Right? So, but Moses says, look, there ain't no sense in going. Ain't no sense in having it. Ain't no sense in going. I don't think he said ain't, by the way. But there's no sense in going if your presence doesn't go with us. There's no point. There's no point in going anywhere, doing anything, if you're not with us. I think this is why. I don't know if you're picking up on this. Actually speaking, Hashem was actually conversing with a human being. And I think this is why. Because he said, if you aren't with us, why go? Ain't no sense in going. Moshe replied, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't make us go on from here. For how else is it to be known that I have found favor in your sight? 
I and your people, other than by your going with us. That is what distinguishes us, me and your people, from all the other peoples on the earth. What's the difference about followers of Christ, followers of the way? That's what I call, people ask me all the time, what is your, you know, I'm a little weak on your, I'm a little fuzzy on your denomination. What's your denomination? Uh, are you a Baptist? I heard you preach, you saying you came up Baptist. Well, then, what, which is it? Your mother's a Presbyterian. What, make up your mind. Which one are you? Because they want it to be in a box. But the truth of it is, I'm a follower of the way, capital W. This is what distinguishes people who believe. If we believe, if this is what we actually believe, this faith in Hashem, faith in God, faith in Adonai, if we believe this and we go and God goes with us, that's what distinguishes us from the rest of the pagans in the world who don't choose to believe. Fence sitters need not apply. I say it all the time. There's a whole lot of folks out there who said, eh, I'll leave that decision for another day. There's a lot of people out there saying, no, Sean, I want your plan. How's your plan? How are you going to work this out? And Sean says, I don't know. I'm going to let God do it. It's not that I'm lazy. Anybody that knows me knows I'm not lazy. I just know when it's above my pay grade. I know when I put it in charge, in the charge of God, whatever the it is, he will work it out for good. But if I do it, Knowing this from history, not for nothing, Sean, from history, I've bull in a china shop my way into lots of troubling and powerfully painful situations that didn't just cause me pain, caused a lot of other people pain. So I say, I'm going to trust God on this. I'm going to trust God. Adonai said to Moshe, I will also do what you have asked me to do. Because you have found favor in my sight. And I know you by name. Oh, man. Now, look, I know this is a poor excuse for uh, an example, but when uh, we had a fire at our house several years ago, we had a fire, and we had to move out for six weeks while they fixed our house. And so we had to take our little dog to daycare. We had to live in a hotel, and we had to take our little dog, Buckeye, uh, to daycare. And there was a daycare, fortunately, right nearby, and it just opened up not that long before. And we thought, oh, these nice people will take her there. Couldn't We were staying in a hotel. We couldn't keep her by herself when we were gone. She could be there at nighttime. They were very nice. Plug for Hampton Inn. They were wonderful. They are not uh, advertisers on this show. I'm just saying. So, uh, But they can be for a very small price. You, you know, why not? <laughs> so we need help over here. So... We take our dog to daycare, and there's probably 50 dogs running around. My dog knew my voice, knew what I looked like, because when my dog, amidst all that chaos, looked across the yard through the fence and saw Daddy, oh, man, it was party time. Nobody else. She was never excited for anybody else to come pick her up. Kidding. She was. Anybody from the family that picked her up, she was happy about it. But I have to say, Daddy, you know, it was exciting for me. I missed her all day long, you know. So I go in there and I get her, and she's just so excited. It's such a – and the people said, you know, we see reactions all the time, didn't they? They said this. We see reactions all the time from people coming to pick, pick up their pets. We never see this. This is, this is love. That dog loves you. And I said, I love her. And I could spot her from, you know, and 
she knew my name. She knew, she knew everything. She knew this is my daddy. God knows if you, if you are on his team, if you are part of Hashem's team, Adonai, if he is, if he has said, I, you're in the book because you've come and you've said, I believe that my son was sent, lived perfectly, was tortured, died, and rose again. You're on my team. You're on my team. I know your name. I love what he says here. But Moshe said, I beg you to show me your glory. He replied, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you, and in your presence I will pronounce the name of Adonai, whomever I will, and, I'll, and I display mercy to whomever I will. Wow. He's asking for his, show me your glory. I beg you to show me your glory. This is Moshe, Moses, saying to God, remember, this is the guy who God talks to. He knows his name. So much like me in the Corvette. I didn't technically ask for it, although if God wants to take it that way, he's, that's fine. If he's going to provide a Corvette to me, that's fine with me. I don't actually need a Corvette, but it's good for an example. So he got a little full of himself. I beg you to show me your glory. He replied, I will cause all my goodness to pass before you, and in your presence I will pronounce the name of Adonai. Moreover, I show favor to whomever I will. And I display mercy to whomever I will. Man, have you ever have you ever really listened to that? If you've read that, now I know some people they don't read the Old Testament, but man, you can't understand the Old Testament without understanding the old. You can't understand the New Testament without understanding the old. You got to read both. That was a smackdown. I mean, in modern parlance, that's a smackdown. But was Moses really doing anything wrong? Was Moshe doing anything wrong? No. He wanted to, he, his desire, his keen desire was, I want to know you. I want to know your being. I want to know how you are, what you are. I want to know all those things. I want to know about your character. I want to know all about it. I want your guidance. Your guidance is the only way I can lead these people. These people complain. We're hungry. You give them food. Oh, this is not the delis we had back in New York City. You know, this is, this corn, this, it's just not any good. This corn beef's not good. You know, so they're complaining the whole time. But Moses, he just wanted to understand. He, look, I'm leading these people. Uh, the more I know about you, the better job I'm going to do leading. Meanwhile, why did God choose him anyway? Because he knew he had what it took. He wanted that. God said to him in reply, I will make all my goodness pass before thee. I will, this is for the King James folks, and I will proclaim the name of the Lord before thee, and I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy upon whom I will show mercy. In other words, this is well above your pay grade. Stop asking me for stuff. Stop asking me for stuff. For years, I read that until this week. I read that as. Well, you know, he'll give you whatever he gives you, and you just be happy with it. You find a way to be happy with it. That's just shut up about what you want. Don't go to him a bunch. Of, don't ask him for something. Whatever he gives you, be happy with. Just be content. But here's the thing. Here's the thing that finally occurred to me this week. God isn't God if I can go, air quotes, get in its face and say, 
Show me this. Well, show me this other stuff. Show me this. This is what I need. Have I ever known what I needed? No. No. I'm the worst at what I actually need. By doing this, God revealed to Moses and through him to all mankind, you, me, everybody, the fact that he is a merciful being, absolutely. And he directs attention to one particular characteristic of mercy. Now, while informing his servant Moshe that he is gracious and he's clemency is, look, a penitent transgressor, absolutely. Absolutely. We would see that on the cross with Christ. We would see him, the guy acknowledging him, deserved to be there, and he says, even today, you'll be with me in paradise. The other guy hurling insults, cussing him. Guess where he is? Eternal torment. But at the same time, he's teaching us that he, does, he has no obligation or necessity to show us mercy. None whatsoever. I'll give you a parallel. It's attached to earthly stuff. You know, I was a police officer for a time. And I can tell you, I would tell uh, you know, other shift mates and other people in my squad, I would say, look, you know, the the the, law, the Supreme Court has decided that we don't have an obligation to protect people's lives. We don't have one. We don't. It's if you read up on it, you'll see police officers have no legal obligation to save your life, none whatsoever. None whatsoever. Law isn't built that way. There's no law that says, "Hey, you got to do this." It says if you see that it's more dangerous to go in and 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 uh, your life is at risk, well, then they die. But if you want to, if you're brave, if you have courage, and in some cases some would say stupid, if you're stupid enough, go in. Fireman, go into the burning building. Go toward the shooting, police officer. That's heroism. But it occurred to me, grace isn't a debt. Grace and mercy, God doesn't owe us some debt that he's subtly and slowly repaying as we live in this life. He's not doing that. But I've been in churches, and they're usually the really hip, trendy, cool churches with the five screens, the giant screens, and all that stuff. Nothing against large churches, because I love your church. It's amazing. I love it. But they're old school. They're, they're the hip, trendy, cool. They got the smoke coming out. You ever see that now? The worship team, the smoke comes out, and it's all, wow, come on, man. He's up. He's up. It's not American Idol, as I say in my book. I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have com- on whom I will have compassion. It's not a debt. It's not a debt. And, and, and sometimes in churches, that you listen to the prayers and you listen to the music, and it sounds to me like they're trying to remind God in case he forgot, oh, by the way, you owe us this mercy. You owe us this compassion. You owe us this stuff that you're going to promise us but if you forgot about this stuff, guess what? You still got to keep your deal going for us on this compassion business, on this mercy business, on this grace. You said you would give it to me. You got to give it to me because that's all we've heard, right? The postmodern Western evangelical church has built their stock and trade on, but you owe me compassion, grace, and mercy. You promised me. You said it's in your promises. And they got these little books, Bible promises, right? And you read through them. People read through them. And, and I've never, ever given one of those books out. Uh, and this is the reason why. He's under no obligation to do that, any of that stuff. He's God. I'm not. I take it. That's what makes him God. Look at Job. Look at Job. 
But but let's go even let's go even now. I look at Carson. Carson's an amazing kid. His heart is for God. His mind is for Christ. The kid is so sick, yet as soon as he can get up and walk around the hospital in which he has spent years, he walks by every room when all these other kids are asleep or trying to sleep, and he prays for them by name while dragging his equipment with him. This is why we struggle so much with the, with the well, why does God allow suffering? Because somehow or another, we made this pact with ourselves, recreating God in our own image, and we said, no, God owes us that. You promised us, therefore all of us get it. And then when that doesn't happen, guess what? Now we're mad at God all of a sudden. We're mad at God. Well, you didn't keep your promise. You didn't keep your promise. Well, this is important. So the Apostle Paul, or Shaul, quotes this declaration to shut the mouth of him who would set up a claim to salvation, uh, who is too proud to beg for it and accept it as a free and unmerited favor from God. Now, when he does this, he endorses the sentiment, the sentiment that somehow or another God owes. This inspiration of this epistle, it, it, it corroborates that of the Pentateuch, so that we have assurance, and it's been made doubly sure, that this is the correct enunciation of the nature of mercy. Let us look into this hope-inspiring attribute of God under the guidance of this text. The great question that presses upon all human minds, not just mine, this week, you know, that all that stuff was going, not for me, I wasn't thinking it for me, lest you think, although, you know, that's what took me there, is, you know, so what am I, just going to pop one day? I'm laying down, my blood pressure laying down, doing nothing is, you know, deadly levels. Uh, you know, and I'm sure I'll get uh, messages. Have you tried that apple cider vinegar? <laughs> Good Lord, if another person tells me about it. I am trying it. I am trying it. But there's, you know, everybody tells me that, and I try it, but it doesn't fix my blood pressure. Helps my digestion like anything. But, you know, and this is Bryn, BrynSellers.com. This is, you read what you, and people come up to her meaning well. They say, well, have you tried this? Well, have you tried that? Yes, we've tried everything. Well, apparently I haven't tried everything because everything hasn't worked, just like me and my blood pressure. Well, I've tried everything. 34 or 39 different drugs I've been on. I've been on six different ones, the maximum dosage. In any given time, they're like, how are you even standing? We've been in trauma room, and they've pushed enough uh, drugs directly into my arteries that they're like, if we give you more, you're going to die. How are you breathing and talking? How do you feel right now? I'm like, I feel pretty good because the blood pressure's you know, it's down a few points. They're like, it's still 280 over, you know, 205. Yeah, got any brownies? Yeah, maybe that'll help. I've tried. I'm Mr. Opposite Man. Maybe I'm doing too many healthy things. I just need to kind of revisit, go back. I, they made me quit tomatoes because of my, uh, oh, I know, because of the inflammation. It causes inflammation. All white shades. What is it? Nightshades. White shades. All white shades. Got to go. Now, Eric in heaven, he would love that because my buddy Eric, if you've seen any pictures of me and him, uh, he's a black guy. I, he's still black in heaven, by the way. I don't think, I don't think, <laughs> all the pictures of heaven, all the pictures of heaven, you know, we whitewash it. We show only white people in heaven. It's stupid. <laughs> but he would love that. He would love that. Anyway, I got to get going because I'm, I'm taking too much time here. But this is the, this is the question. Is God a merciful being and will he show mercy? Well, the question goes deeper if we're being honest. If we're being honest, yeah, we care about other people, especially here in the live audience. You all are very caring, very loving people. And prayers go out to Don, our buddy Don, if he's listening. 
we love you, brother. You know, gosh, what a what a guy. He's been through so much. But if we're being honest when we read the statement, is God a merciful being and will he show me mercy? Right? If we're honest with ourselves, yeah, I, I want mercy for everybody out there. Good mercy, 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 mercy. Throwing mercy, you know, these mercy bombs. That's great, but I want to get mine. I want my mercy too. That's what matters. And living how we do under the light of revelation, you know, we've been given this light of revelation. It's a really important thing. We don't we don't know that much about the doubts and fears that spontaneously rise from a guilty human soul. You ever know somebody that's guilty? Look, I've been trained at the highest levels in the federal government and special agencies and law enforcement and all these things, and I've worked at the highest levels of how to know if somebody is lying to me, whether they're guilty or they're not guilty. I've, I've, I've deployed that, those skill sets in areas that would save my life or take my life if I did it wrong, and I've done it in cases where I knew this grown person was lying to me, looking me right in the face and saying, no, I didn't do that. No, I no, I." I, I did do this. I didn't do that. Yeah, like Hillary. That doesn't take any special training to recognize that she's lying. But this guilty human soul, you ever see this person? I've sat in front of people that, that just killed several people or raped people and uh, done horrible things. And, and then you, it, it oozes out of them. But do you know people also that later, it, later in life it comes out what they did and it was this horrible thing and son of Sam, you know, uh, all you know. Well, he's the neighborhood. Was it John Wayne Gacy? Uh, neighborhood clown. Don't trust clowns. That's the lesson. Don't trust clowns. You end up in underneath their their porch or something. Just don't trust them. I don't trust clowns. Clowns are weird. No offense to the clowns that might be listening. So we have to look at the nature of God in order to understand to answer that. Does, will He show me mercy? So we have this scripture, we have this Bible that we can put in our hands. And people say, well, I read the Bible, I don't read it anymore. You've got to read the Bible over and over and over and over. It is a daily journey. And just like this, this is a great example. I've got 11 years of postgraduate education, and I can tell you there's not a week goes by. And you guys know that because I come in here like an idiot and tell you, you know what I learned this week, you know, and then I tell you this thing that many of you probably were like, slow learner. TBI is a little worse than we thought, you know, uh, but I want to be honest with you. Look, I'm not 11 years of postgraduate. That doesn't mean anything, really, when it comes to this scripture. I've had little kids reading scripture that will read it a certain way. And all of a sudden, like, what was that? And then they read it again. I'm like, hmm, there's a bit of theology there. Yeah, it's living and active. Amen. So with this Bible in our hands, we hear this good news of redemption. We're little kids, right? We hear this and we're happy about it. It just seems to be, it seems like we would just automatically assume, well, absolutely he'll pardon sin. Absolutely he'll show mercy. Absolutely he'll show us grace. Postmodern Western evangelical religion, Christianity. They're of the opinion that it's more difficult to prove that, prove that God is just than to prove that he is merciful. And you know what? If you prove that God is just, then you have half the battle of understanding, is he or is he not merciful? But some of the times, some of the times he doesn't show mercy. He hasn't shown mercy that we can see in Carson's case. My buddy Eric, you know, the guy fought cancer for years. Tremendous faith in God for years. 
we can we can do all the bumper stickerisms, right? Well, the Lord gave him. The Lord gave him. You know, when he was uh, diagnosed, uh, his prognosis was 90 days. He was told he was going to die in 90 days. So he went. You know, he didn't even have to go to social security because it was so terrible. All the doctor did in the office without even telling him is, you know, you got 90 days to live. Put it in a letter. Sends it off to social security. He starts getting checks. Little did they know, and he's he's several up on them. He lived for what four or five years. So he showed mercy. You look at me in my case, driving home, 618, not bothering anybody, excited about dinner, like I usually am, and not exceeding the speed limit. Some punk kid in a borrowed car going 109 miles an hour hits a, a six and a half inch high concrete medium that's 48 feet from one and goes into my lane and hits me six feet into the shoulder. I die, and the, one of the kids in the other car dies. Now, obviously, I came back to life. You're not hearing an apparition or something. I don't know if apparitions speak. I don't know if the rules on that. I study it very much. But I'm speaking, so you might think, well, you know, what, what is going on here? But I, I did die. We found that out. I didn't know it initially, but I died. Two firemen tested my, uh, my vitals and said 1091, which is 10 code for dead. So you might say, well, God showed you great mercy. You know, this bumper stickerism. God showed you great mercy by bringing you back. Heaven? Earth? Y'all are nice, but y'all ain't heaven. I know. Close, but my my point in this is this is you know, we can think in our feeble minds, our our minds in the natural, we can think, well, he did show you mercy in that. He has allowed you to live. I don't understand any of that. The Carson thing I don't understand. People say, you know, Pastor, you're a reverend doctor. We got a question for you. People love to do this. It stumped the preacher. Um, why does God allow? I don't know the answer. I can give you an answer that I think is correct. But I'm going to ask him. Probably won't. But I'm saying right now, while well, I'm bold, not in front of him, I'm going to ask him that. I'm, where's my list? I'm going to write this down because I like writing stuff down. Write this down. I'm going to God, This is question number one. Why do you let good people suffer? I don't know. I don't know why he does it. See the answer in prayer there. Well, he let him live, even though he was in suffering, to show uh, his great testimony. There's a little baby over in England that the, the, that the U.K. is going to kill for sure instead of a chance coming over here. And by the way, England doesn't have to pay one red cent to get that little baby, that precious little baby, over here to see if this experimental treatment will work. Not one dime. doesn't cost them anything. costs them more to keep them there. They're making a point. They're making a point. I said, God, why? You know, can't you move somebody's heart? Can't you? He's God. He moves mountains. Literally. But for many people, it's more difficult to prove that God is just. They don't want to listen. We don't want to talk about the justness of God, the justice of God. We don't want to. You know why? Because if we talk about the justness or the justice of God, guess what happens? We realize we don't deserve mercy. I don't. I know what I've done. I don't know what any of y'all have done, but I can tell you what I've done. And I dag on shore, Sussex County saying, dag on shore don't deserve a bit of mercy. And yet he's shown me mercy over and over and over again. But you see, somebody outside the pale of revelation of, of Christ, you know, understanding and coming, coming to Christ, they don't, they're not stuck with all this. You know when, a, when an atheist comes to you and says, well, why does your God allow people to uh, suffer? Why does he allow innocent people to suffer? I, you know what I say to them? 
I say, I thought you didn't believe in God. Point is moot. Move on to the next. Because you tell me you don't believe in God, why would you even ask something that you don't believe in? God, why would you let this happen? I thought you didn't believe in me. So, you know, that's what I tell him, honest to goodness. If, if an atheist comes up to me and says, well, why does your God allow this? I say, what do you care? You don't believe in God. doesn't make a difference to you, right? Or maybe you are kind of on the fence a little bit more than you're letting on. It's really cool among your atheist friends to act like you don't believe in God. But guess what? Bullets start flying. I bet, I bet you'll acknowledge God right quick. But most of the pagan cultures, they don't care about this question. This isn't a question. They're gonna, I'm going to live until I die, unless they're into some reincarnation stuff where if they, they ascend to certain levels, do certain things, chant, paint their face, whatever, the, the stuff they got to do, then all of a sudden they're going to trans, translate to this other world, this other place, a better place. Yeah. It just doesn't work that way. But if we go back to the, and I don't have time today, we go back to the ancient pagan world and we examine all the theologizing of the Greek and Roman mind, you'll discover that the fears of the justice far outnumbered the hopes of the mercy. Folks back then, they didn't, they didn't, they didn't have this great hope of mercy from God. They feared the justice of God. Plato and Plutarch and Cicero and Tacitus and they were far more certain that God would absolutely punish sin than, and I'm telling you, there's a lesson in that. There's a reason that there's no light or joy in any of the pagan religions. Listen, for a Muslim, what, what is the end? What is the end for them? The culture of death versus the culture of life. We live, we as believers, we as followers of the way, we live believing that one day God will set this all right. Don't know how, but he's going to do it. And it doesn't matter what my piddly mind thinks about it. It's going to happen. The Bible says, every knee shall bow. People say, well, every knee shall bow. That means everybody will be saved. No, it does not. Every knee will bow, but consequences come. There is an exception to this, except when religion was converted into the worship of beauty. Remember the Greeks? Um, the later Greeks and all the solemn and truthful ideas of law and justice, they eliminated all those. They said it's really all about beauty. It's all about beauty. They used to teach us in school, but they don't anymore. But uh, every one of the natural religions of the globe, it's filled with some somber and gloomy hue. Every, every single one. Every single one has that. But you, you'll see some of the faiths. Like I had to do this big doctoral thing on um, – I had to pick ten religions and talk about ten religions. Then I had to focus on – Two. I had to pick two. Which, which do you think I pick? Anybody? Any guess of the two religions I wanted to? Islam and Christianity, right? So it, it, it's dark. If you study, I've read the Quran. I'm on my fourth time now. It's dark. It's dark and it's hopeless and there's nothing there. There's no, there's, uh, uh, you know, they have little sayings that they do. If you're talking to a Muslim uh, and a Muslim is talking about this or that, you know, they'll. They're, I'm not going to repeat the saying because I don't repeat their sayings unless there's a direct purpose to it. I don't believe in giving any power to the stuff that they say. But the thing is, is they'll say this saying over, over, and over, and over, and over again. Because they want to remind God, we don't worship the same God, they worship a moon God. Allah and, and God are not, Hashem, and Allah, not the same person, not the same entity, not even close. But the point of this is, I get a lot of mean and nasty letters. 
have to learn to read so I can read them. Uh, every one of the religions of the globe, though, has this dark thing about it. The truest and best religions of the ancient world were always the sternest. They were always the saddest. Because the unaided human mind is certain that God is just. But we're not so certain that he's also merciful. And listen, when a, when a person is outside of that re revelation, the, the knowing, the knowing, I have Christ in my heart. When, when a person is outside of that, it's by no means a matter, of course, that God will give clemency. And that's, they don't, they don't understand that. Have you ever had, if you're a person who doesn't believe, have you ever had your sins forgiven? No. Who's going to forgive your sins? If you don't believe in God, who's forgiven them? Your mama? I stole that cookie. Go to a prison. I've been in lots and lots of prisons. Lots and lots of prisons. I, I've talked to people who have consecutive life terms. I've talked to people on death row, and I can tell you this. I can tell you this. The ones who have a sentence of death and no chance of parole, no chance of commutation to life, and they tell you, I have come to Christ. I have put my future, my today, my everything in the hands of a forgiving God. What I have done is inexcusably, but through the faith and the favor of Christ, I'm forgiven. And I am free. And there'll come a day when they finally put the needle in my arm or sit me in the chair, whatever the method of execution is, I will deserve what I'm getting in the natural. But the moment my eyes close, I'm going to see Yeshua. I'm going to see Jesus. What I've done on earth will be no more. It'll be no more. I have, I have no more claim to mercy. God doesn't owe me a thing. Unmerited favor. It is very, very easy to see where we are due consequences. I see it in how I live my life. There are consequences. There are consequences. No matter what, there are consequences. doesn't mean you're not forgiven. We mix that up, folks. We mix that up. We say, well, I thought I was forgiven. Yeah, you were forgiven. I did forgive you. How many times How many times have you seen a, um, a victim? You know, uh, Corporal Ballard, the Delaware State Police, was murdered by a 26-year-old guy. And, and uh, the family of, of the guy who did the murder, I'm not going to say his name because I don't give, you know, it, to the extent I can, I try to avoid publicizing their names. But their family has been forgiven by the wife of that trooper. Forgiven. But the price was is the murderer who murdered that trooper in cold blood, the murderer still paid his consequence. Look, divine mercy, it's it's a doctrine that that, that in many, many cases, there's this cloud of uncertainty that overhangs it. From the position of natural religion, it's only from within the providence uh, and the province of revealed truth that we remove the uncertainty until we understand God. Until the only way we can understand the truth is if we follow hard after God. Apart from a distinct and direct promise from the lips of God himself, 
that he will forgive sin. No human creature really can be sure that sin will ever be forgiven. If we're being honest, the thing here is honesty, then we've got to call it what it is, and that is this. Are we really sure? We can say we are, but why are we quiet when we know we're in sin? Why don't we talk to God as much when we're in sin? Because we're not really sure. You don't get a little blue banner. You don't get some little badge. Here, I forgave you this sin, right? It had this sin on it. Here, I'm giving you this, right? And there's some folks listening around the world who you have done um, terrible things. Terrible things. I've done terrible things. And, and in the back of your mind, you say, I hope he's serious about this forgiveness thing. But I know there may be a consequence. I've paid consequences for my sins in the natural before and never, never shook my fist and God, why, why? I thought you forgave me. No, I'm getting what's coming. In the postmodern Western evangelical church, we just don't like to hear that. We don't like to hear it. We don't like to hear that there's consequence for sin. Look, I'm I'm almost out of time. Maybe what I'll do is I might preach the second half of this next week. How would that be? Would that be all right? Would that be fair? I don't I want to give you your money's worth. Let's let's do that. I'm gonna mark it right here. I'm marking it right now. I don't actually have a pen. I should though. Writing stuff down, always good. All right, there we go. So the question ultimately becomes this, and we'll talk more about it next week just because. Look, we live, we live in this place. You've heard this saying. The FBI director serves at the pleasure of the president. We live here at the pleasure and whim and will of God. We're healthy or we're not. Now, you've got to do the good stuff, right? I know people, Mama Max, I talk about her all the time. In her 50s, she died of cancer. She had cancer four or five times. She ate very healthfully. She was a very healthful person. She was slender. She was all these things, and she still died an awful death of cancer. Didn't deserve it. She did everything she was supposed to do. Next week, I guess I'll tell you the end of it. I'll tell you, I'll tell you how it goes. At least. Thank you all for joining us. Thank you for chat being so uh, vibrant. You guys are awesome. It's it's really amazing. I love this thing. Wednesday, I'm going to be taking calls. You're going to hear a story that you will not soon forget from my buddy, Mike Brock. I watched him grow up. Awesome. The whole family is awesome, but you're going to hear about how this guy came to faith. Powerful. And it will rock your world. And some other stuff. You'll want to listen. Wednesday at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Thank you so much for joining us. God bless you and keep you. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumba. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.